Michael E. Cohen takes control of pages. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is brought to you by the Mac Voices Slack, available to all patrons of Mac Voices. Sign up today at patreon.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, we are still talking to Take Control authors about new things that have come out that Apple has released. This one is one that we've talked about a number of times before. It's still, I think, one of the under great underrated programs that Apple gives us for free, and that is Pages. So Michael, Michael E. Cohen is here to talk about Take Control of Pages, fourth edition. Michael, it's been way too long since you and I have talked, but that's because I think you've been under a rock writing this book and rewriting this book and re-rewriting this book. It's been it's been an interesting period. Yes, um, yes, this is the fourth edition, and uh, traditionally, every time I finish a revision of the Pages book, Apple releases a new version within days. <laughs> uh, this time, I hadn't touched the book in over a year. I spent most of the summer revising it, found a lot of small changes, sent it off to Take Control publisher Joe Kissel, hits his mailbox, and the next day, Apple released an update. Now, here's the thing with Apple updates. They'll, they'll, they'll publish a web page says, what's new in pages? And they'll give you four or five great bullet points. That's not all that's new. That's never all that's new. Apple also takes the opportunity when they do a revision to tinker. And they'll move commands around. They'll change the names of commands. Things will look different and act different. And they're not really documented. So I have to go through the entire book and check every single thing that I wrote to make sure it's still true and check every screenshot and make sure that they still look accurate. And that's what I spent most of the summer doing. And when the revision came out, I said, oh, my gosh, I've got to do it again. Now, this book is currently 377 pages long. It has over 270 screenshots and lots of little inline icons in the text. And many of them changed. So <laughs> with the revision that came out on September, I think September 22nd, I told Joe and after we both, you know, shouted very loudly and angrily at the gods, uh, dove into it again, and Joe helped me out enormously, going through chapters along with me and comparing screenshots to what he saw. So we were able to get it turned around in about two weeks. So as I talk to you, it's sitting for Joe's final pass through the manuscript and will probably be published in the coming week. Well, of course, this interview will be held until the book is actually out. So, you know, to make sure people can go and get it uh, after they hear all the all the wisdom that we're about to impart. (laughs) Well, as you said in your intro, it really is one of the most powerful programs that Apple gives away for free. Um, I've been watching it over the past decade as I've been working on these books. What Apple did was very interesting in the, I think it was 2013, 14, they pulled pages off the market, basically. They, they yanked it off. They had, it was pages versus nine, which they sold. 
for money. Um, yanked it out and replaced it with a brand new version, iWorks version, that they were giving away free and that unlike the previous version, was completely compatible across Apple's platforms. A document created on the Mac could open without any changes on an iPad or an iPhone. And they even had a web browser app that could handle the same thing. Maybe not all the features of Pages would be in those various versions, but it wouldn't mess the file up, which the previous version did. So since that time, you could open Pages on any of your Apple devices and be assured that it would open on any of your other Apple devices without being rewritten behind the scenes by software. But a lot of features went missing when they did that change. And one by one, over the years, they've been reintroducing them back in, piece by piece. And the last really big feature, which was yanked when uh, Pages changed completely, was Mail Merge. And it came back this year at a time when I don't think anyone uses mail anymore. (laughs) (laughs) When was the last time you sent out a whole bunch of envelopes other than for Christmas cards or something like that? Uh, You know, it's an interesting question because I've in the last year, yeah, in about the last year, there was a situation at work that required that because there's still places that you have to do written notification written right. or you know it, that an email will not be sufficient a text it doesn't work you have to do it you by need mail physical collateral in your hand right so if if there is a if there's a use case for it i think like you said it's either something like christmas cards for a personal personal use or certain business uses but the the days of mass mailing things is pretty much gone and yet I have to say that their implementation of Mail Merge is a pretty good one. It's very easy to use, uh, as long as you use Apple's contacts to keep track of your contacts, because it can draw from that entire list, or it can draw from a numbers spreadsheet to get the stuff that stuffs into uh, the various things that a Mail Merge does. Because a Mail Merge, you know, is usually multiple copies of the same document with tiny changes in each one, depending upon a contact or something else from like a spreadsheet. So you can set out a bunch of invoices. They'll all be the same document, but the invoice and the name that it goes to will vary from document to document, pulling information from a number spreadsheet in your contacts list. And I could see someone resisting in a big way using contacts because maybe they're they've used a separate program to track the addressees. But that said, numbers can pretty much import any other spreadsheet. Sure. Uh, you know, so that that should not be an issue. So it would seem to be and, and given the all the other features of pages that I love so much, I feel like, yeah, this would be something that if if you had to tackle something like that, it would be a very viable alternative to some of the other major office suites that shall not be named. And and the tie into context is not that heavy because mail merge on, on pages involves two types of things called merge fields. There's a sender merge field and a recipient merge field. 
And the only one that you really need to be tied into contacts are, is the sender one, because that doesn't change from document to document. And even if you use another contacts manager, you probably have your name and address in contacts as well. So it can draw from that, but then it can get all of the recipient stuff that goes out from a spreadsheet that you made. And you don't need to go back to contacts again, other than, you know, for the sender information. Hmm. So the tie-in isn't really that, you know, hard. But if you use contacts a lot, it can certainly make use of it quite easily. Anyway, so, so mail merge is back. Woohoo! <laughs> um, well, it's, it's in order to be feature complete. I mean, that's, you know. Well, yeah, and, 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 you know, every feature doesn't need to be used by every user. Um, Pages has a lot of stuff that most people won't ever touch. Like one of the other new features is um, 3D objects. Pages now supports the addition of 3D objects onto a Pages document using a USDX format, which Apple and Pixar developed together, a scene description sort of thing. And that's wonderful, except, you know, Pages is a word processor. You, you print or make a PDF. That 3D isn't going to stay on the printed page, and it's not going to work in the PDF. So it's only for people who are actually looking at the document in Pages. So it's kind of hard to think exactly why you would want to have that, but there are a few cases where it might matter. So since 3D objects are a big thing in Apple's future, what with the upcoming Vision Pro and augmented reality, it's nice to be able to use those things, same things you would use in that environment in a Pages document. So that was added. And it, it's also fun to play with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you have a 3D model, you can, you know, one thing you can do is you can put the same 3D model in several places on, on a page and adjust each of them from a different angle. So it looks like you have three different pictures that's actually one because it mm -hmm. supports the 3D model. And when you print it out, it retains whatever pose you put the 3D model in when you printed it or PDF'd it or whatever. So. But once you once you PDF it, it does not. It doesn't you, change you right, because you've yeah, got the, Let's say I've got a, let's say I'm doing a furniture catalog and I've got a 3D model of a sofa we're selling. I can put the sofa full on view, side view, top view, in three different places on the page just by taking the same model and rotating it in each of the separate frames. And when I print the document. It, it retains the pose I put each of them in. So the user can see three different views of the same couch in a flat document using one 3D model shown three times in three different poses. And that also would make it very easy, easy to edit, go back and edit the, the pose exactly. of the object if you, for some reason, somebody wanted to see. Instead of a left side view, you, they want to see a right side view. Right. So, well, you know, go you, 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 go to, you go to uh, Amazon and they've got along the side of something you buy. Click here to see pictures of what you're buying and they'll have four or five little pictures. So yeah. it's that sort of thing. And Apple's, because of Vision Pro, is moving more heavily into augmented reality and 3D spaces. So being able to support that data type is kind of a good thing for pages. It, it feels like we're seeing these little things that sneak in. I mean, we've... 
we've talked about uh, some of the things on the Apple Watch and you know and, and its new capabilities. We talked with Jeff Carlson about that. And so it feels like different Apple products are taking not cues exactly from the Vision Pro because it's not out yet, but they're they're being affected. The decisions yes. in their futures being affected by the Vision Pro and by the AR VR our space. Right. Apple's moving in that direction with a Vision Pro or maybe even something else, but augmented reality is going to be a big thing in Apple's future. This is clear and providing support for it in their core applications and products is not a bad thing. So uh, I'm a little surprised that they made, you know, 3D objects a big marquee update item, but they did, and it works, but they've made a, an awful lot of little changes as well, enormous numbers of them, as they do several different things. Remember, Apple gives away pages for several reasons, one of which is to, of course, make you know buying a Mac or an iPad or an iPhone more attractive because look at the cool stuff you get. Uh, but in addition, it's for the developers. When Apple comes out with a new capability, it's usually incorporated in numbers or keynote or pages and developer because look at how Apple has used that feature in their own stuff as to how they might want to do it themselves. So pages partly serves as a way for developers to see how Apple features should look using the various interface capabilities that Apple provides developers. You want to see how a menu looks? Here's how, here's how we do menus. You want to see how a popover looks? Here's how we do popovers, and that's a point that I think is lost on on a lot of a lot of us, me included at times, um, because there are times that you look at a feature and think, well, I'm not going to use that, and I'm not sure why anybody would, but it serves as almost a product demo. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. And, and because of that, you've got a huge number of features in Pages. It really is one of the most powerful page layout programs. I've used over the years. It can produce PDFs. It can produce Word documents. It can produce eBooks. You just generate them all right from pages. Um, it can read, you know, spreadsheets in from numbers. It's just, you know, pretty darn powerful. And you don't really you hear the word process, hear the phrase word processor, and you think, oh, great, something to type with. And that's really the least of what pages can do. And it's too bad that I think it gets overlooked so often because it's free. Mm-hmm. You know that that you think, well, it, if it's free, how good can it be? And I think, in my experience, it'll do ninety percent, uh, ninety ninety to ninety five percent, if not more, of what I want or need it need something to do. The only thing that it really doesn't do for me. It's helped me write take control books because we have a very specific production chain that requires the use of a word processor with intense macro capabilities, and Pages doesn't provide that. So, but other than that, it's if I had to just do plain word processing for a living, I'd prefer that over Word any time. It does it does everything that Word does, and it's prettier and it's more fun. So, prettier and more fun actually have a value when you're in front of something every day, all day long. Oh, listen, I 
I, I've, I beat that drum about Keynote because I, I use Keynote a lot. And Keynote is fun to work with. You know, I, I want to stick a pencil in my ear if I have to if I have to use PowerPoint because it is just such a conglomerated mess. And I'm I'm sorry, I this is not my usual Microsoft bias or anti Microsoft bias showing. It just is you know menu after menu and ribbons and you know pull downs and it's like how do I find anything? You know, unless I'm and and I've I've had to use PowerPoint a fair amount. And I still have to go back and to the help menu user do a Google search on now where is this again and how is this? And what's worse is that you've got the Windows version and the Mac version, which do not always have parity mm-hmm. in, in either feature sets or even how features are implemented. And so mm-hmm. give me give me pages any day for a layout project, give me give me keynote for a presentation. But I mean we're here to talk about pages, and so I want to ask you. You know all these little changes. What are the what are the most important or some of the most important functional changes that you see? Either things that have changed or have been added. Well, what, one of the things they did is some features they've renamed. For example, there was a, a feature that Pages had for a while called Instant Alpha that you used to remove the background of the picture that you were placing in the Pages document. Well, there, there is no feature called Instant Alpha anymore, which is a geeky programmer's term. Instead, there's a checkbox called Remove Background, which does exactly the same thing. But if you're a longtime Pages user and you're looking for Instant Alpha, you'll be going, well, where is it? Well, it's been given a name that most people would understand. So that's a good thing. Uh, a different sort of change had to do with... Um, what Apple called layout objects. They used to be called master objects, a master object that would appear on every page of a document, something like that. The word master comes out of the engineering world, you know, master-slave relationships. But it's also kind of offensive to a large number of people who may have had ancestors who were slaves. So there's no reason to use that if another term will do. So everything... It used to be called a master object is now called a layout object. And master page is now called page templates. And again, it's a little bit more descriptive and it's a lot less offensive. So in this version of pages, I had to rewrite that whole section to talk about how, you know, layout objects and page templates work instead of master pages and master objects. And, you know, that's just a lot of, search and replace and rereading text and making it read a little bit better. And then, of course, minor things that Apple has done to make the Mac and the iPad OS versions a lot more similar. On iOS, you used to have, you have something called settings. And on the Mac, you used to have something called preferences. Well, finally, Apple has changed the name of preferences on the Mac to settings. So if you come to an Apple environment, from your iPhone, you'll know that settings is where you need to look, even if you're in front of a Mac. So a lot of changes like that have occurred. Similarly, there are a lot of features on the iPad version of Pages that have been scattered around among different menus and popovers. And Apple's been working to make that a little bit more regularized. So menu 
items have moved from one place to another on the uh, iPad toolbar. Partly because people are using iPads more a little bit like substitute laptops with their stage manager software and, you know, their, their, their touchpad keyboards. So it's almost like you have a little Mac there. So if it looks a little bit more like a Mac, maybe if they work a little bit more the same, it's going to be easier for people to transition. Even though they are very different environments, you're still working on a pages document. You still have to have all those features. And Apple's been moving those commands to places where they might make more sense. For example, um, when you wanted to export a document from pages on the iPad, you used to go to a funny little menu that had just three dots on it, pronounced more, and that's where you would find the export command. Well, they've moved the export command to where on the pages toolbar on the iPad. You actually see the document's name. You click on the document name. The export command is on a menu that appears there. That's a little bit more intuitive because where would you think to export a document? Well, look for the name of the document instead of some nameless, weird little symbol of three dots in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. So Apple's been doing a lot of little moves like that. But that, again, in this revision meant having to go through every sequence of steps that I gave users to say, click in the top left. No, now it's the top right. Yeah, tap here. No, you tap there now. So I had to do a lot of changes like that. So although there have been relatively few big changes, a lot of little ones had to be made in the course of the fourth edition. And just about every screenshot had to be reshot. And that's a lot. Again, there's 270 of them or something, some number like that. Maybe 276. It's a big number. But everything you've just described sounds like there's a good reason for it. Yeah. I they, mean, I, I, the instant alpha to me is, I know what it does, but I, I know I've tried to teach people or had to teach people what it does. And especially now with, especially seeing what we can do about lifting certain uh, things out of a photo in, in, uh, in photos and the capabilities that that has, it just makes sense that we would be able to remove the background or conversely lift things out, I guess, depending on how you look at it, um, it, it and, and have people understand what that means as opposed to what a, a graphic designer or a programmer might think of. And because Apple owns the whole environment, the way you lift a figure out of a photograph in photos looks remarkably similar to the way it works in pages because it's, among other things, relying upon a lot of the same code base. So, you know, Apple's able to leverage it across pages, photos, how, uh, Keynote, because you might be able to do that in there as well when you put an image on a slide. So Apple's really, you know, kind of working to unify it and make you happy no matter which end of the Apple landscape you enter in on, that you'll, you'll be able to find your way around or figure it out. But it's a slow process because for a while they were on differing evolutionary paths. Now they're trying to bring them a little bit closer together. Still distinct, but there's a family resemblance. That's a great way to say it. That's a great way to say it. The other thing that you've kind of touched on that is important, at least in my world, is that I can 
if I'm within the Apple ecosystem, I can jump almost seamlessly between devices. That you know, so maybe maybe I'm working on a Pages document, and I have you know half an hour on a plane or an hour on a plane, and in today's world, you can't always pull out your your laptop, you know, and open it. But you can open, you know, an iPad, or maybe if you can't open an iPad, maybe you can even open your iPhone and do some meaningful work with it. And so I I, I love that fact that that so many of the things that just I, I can work on whatever I want, wherever I want, with whatever device I want, and and not be. I mean, I may have some compromises in the functionality that I can I can actually take advantage of, but I can still get work done. And one of the keys to that, and it's also a strategic move of Apple's, which is for why they released a brand new version of Pages a decade ago, and that is iCloud. Apple makes money off of iCloud because you buy storage on iCloud. But iCloud is also a place where you can store your documents in a way that all of your devices can get access to them. So if you want to uh, start a Pages document on your Mac, and you go on a trip and all you've got is your iPad, you can still edit it there. When you get back home and you open it on your Mac, the changes that you made are there. So even if you're maybe missing a feature or two on one of the platforms, when you get back to the other one, you can add it in there. So it's it's to Apple's advantage to make iCloud much more attractive, but it's also a way to tie all of their devices together and all of your stuff together in a way that you can get access to it no matter where you are. Michael is back next time on Mac Voices to finish up our conversation about the latest edition of Pages and his Take Control book that lets you do just that, Take Control of Pages. I'm Chuck Joyner. I'll see you next time on Mac Voices. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices each month. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.